Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine.com's live show here on a Monday night. Uh, with us, as always, uh, myself, Anthony Broom, Clayton Safey, Chris Ballas, the uh, the three musketeers, so to speak, of the team site coverage over at the Wolverine.com. It was a busy week, uh, busy weekend. Uh, Chris was in New York City for the kickoff of Michigan football spring trip. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Obviously, NFL draft. Got to get to that. Uh, both the 2023 draft that we will recap and also uh, a little discussion about uh, Pro Football Focus, who put out their top 100 uh, for the 2024 class. But before we get into it, uh, quick quick shout out to our sponsor, uh, RogueShop.com. You'll hear an ad read about them a little bit later tonight. But uh, fellas, want to welcome you right back in. It's been great to be here, brother. It's uh, just nice to be home, man, after spending the night in LaGuardia at the airport. And, uh, yeah, can, can you tell, because this was a message board thing, can you tell the people the story of what was going on with you over the weekend? Oh, I mean, Delta started canceling flights left and right because of a little bit of rain, apparently, and uh, blame the weather. So, of course, they don't do anything for you. They had all these first-class seats, you know, that they had going back to Detroit. But apparently, you know, what if they cancel you three or four times? You're not worthy still. You know, the guy told me I had to pay 800 bucks. So then they sent me to LaGuardia from JFK. And we were there, obviously, to cover Michigan's East Coast tour. Uh, well, you know, uh, New York, Washington, D.C. So they sent me over there. I was literally the only person on the one level of LaGuardia when I got there at about 930 at night. And it's like, man, it was kind of spooky. It was like I am legend or something like that. You know, Will Smith. So but long story short, uh, guys, it was an amazing trip. I can't wait to talk about it. And just everything I saw, the team dinner that uh, Tachman at the fort uh, donated Tim Smith, uh, the champion circle doing some work. And uh, watching those guys watch the draft and root for those, their teammates, man, at Bond 45 was special. These guys, these trips are exactly what Jim Harbaugh envisioned they would be. So for all the people that scoffed at it and said, oh, they're wasting time, blah, 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 guess what? They aren't. And there have been some residual effects. So it's been a lot of fun. Clayton, it sounded like you got nine holes in over the weekend at least. Maybe wow. 18. Nine. Yeah. It broke 50, you know, uh, 45. So. We will take it. Yeah, draft. I got start to get a little stir crazier on 4 p.m. on Saturday during the draft, but we got through it. So uh, you guys did a great job with it. Congrats great to all those guys. Nine now for Michigan draft picks in 2023. That's four Jim Harbaugh drafts that have had eight or more. Uh, just incredible. 53 under Harbaugh now. I think Lloyd Carr was 62 uh, in 13 years, so he is creeping up there, and they're rolling there. We'll have a by the numbers piece up tomorrow morning with some uh, crazy stats about all these guys, different positions, all that on, uh, and all the history that, uh, goes with it as well. All nine guys went to playoff teams, I believe, which is pretty telling yeah. to me, yeah. you know what? It's like, okay, these guys want, uh, guys that know how to win and have been trained that way. So very cool opportunities for these guys. No doubt. It was interesting. Interesting that, uh, four teams took eight of the Wolverines in that draft. So they were doubling up on Michigan guys, even Jamon green, Signs as an undrafted free agent with the New York Giants, another playoff team that historically has a winning pedigree. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk maybe some superlatives about those guys in a little bit here. But uh, something that uh, – and this is where we'll start tonight. I wanted to camp out here. Um, something that drew my eye was Pro Football Focus put out their uh, 2024 top 100 uh, for – that 2024 NFL draft class. There were six Michigan players in the top 100. You had Blake Corm at 24, Zach Zinter at number 51, JJ McCarthy at 58, Donovan Edwards at 62, Drake Nugent at 72, 
and Junior Colson rounding things out at 96. And uh, almost more notable to me, at least in the way we're going to frame this conversation, is that you go through that list and there were 12 Ohio State Buckeyes there. And that was striking to me, given the fact that, you know, even in Vegas right now, Michigan is the favorite to win the Big Ten title next year. But Ohio State's going to bring back a talented team. They're not without questions. Um, so I wanted to kind of start with this. Um, when you look at and maybe I should read off the Ohio State guys really quick. It's Marvin Harrison Jr. at number three, Emeka Abuka at number 10. You've got JT to uh, I JT something. I can't pronounce that name right off the bat at 17. Denzel Burke at 25. Michael Hall Jr. Uh, at 40, Trevion Henderson at 44, Jack Sawyer at 46, Donovan jo- uh, Jackson at 48, Tyleek Williams at 50, Josh Proctor at 78, uh, Tommy Eichenberg at 88, and Cade Stover at 94. Uh, that's a lot of names there, and it's not uh, it's not crazy because they obviously recruit very well, but there seems to be um, – there's almost like a disconnect somewhere when it comes to – you know, a lot of the Vegas odds still have Ohio State, um, you know, as more of a national title contender than Michigan is. Um, you know, all the computers love Ohio State over Michigan still. What am I missing here? Because a lot of these guys have played key roles for the Buckeyes in the last two years. And Michigan has kind of walked away um, somewhat dominantly from both of those games. So what, what am I? We're a little biased on it, obviously, but I feel like I'm missing something here. Do you guys nope. feel the same way? Yeah, no somewhat about it. Michigan dominated those two ball games, especially in the second halves. Uh, so uh, people can say whatever they want to. But here's the thing. It's about matchups a little bit, right? Number one, uh, if you look at what Ohio State accomplished against Georgia, they were a missed field goal away from being a national championship probably, right? How would Michigan have fared against Georgia? Uh, given what they did against TCU, we'll never know. But I think that Ohio State, with its passing attack, was probably a little bit of the kryptonite for Georgia, so they matched up a little bit better uh, against them. And uh, Michigan did an incredible job. Jesse Minter, uh, you know, once again, Ohio State moved pretty well between the 20s, but Michigan mixed it up and kept them out of the end zone, 23 points, to hold that team to 23 points, and when it was 10-3, to to keep them in the game. uh, That is one of the things that we should be talking about more about that last game. So... But uh, that's what it is. And, you know, what it was just like, it was the same thing in the 90s, guys, before you guys were following Michigan football. You know what? They had all the stars. And like Joe Schembechler said, they're going to throw out all those great backs and those great receivers and those great quarterbacks, but we're going to win it as a team. Michigan's had the better team uh, head-to-head against them the last two years. And uh, it's been fun to watch. They're bullying them to the point that Michigan fans are now uh, making fun of the Ohio State as soft, you know. And, uh, and boy, Ohio State was going to do something about it last year, weren't they, Clay? until they didn't exactly i was actually going to bring that up when you look at all of history here ohio state has been the more talented team you know i mean there's obviously exceptions but overall i mean they've always had the talent this is going back decades and decades uh you know when michigan has had their runs in the 90s in the last couple years it's been you know a different way that they've won it's not always with those great quarterbacks or whatever now michigan had a a really good quarterback last year i think jj is going to be great in the future but um, and Michigan has a ton of talent. You look at the nine draft picks that led the Big Ten, ranked third in the country, um, you know, behind Georgia and Alabama. So Michigan has talent, but I don't think you're missing anything here, Anthony. I mean, I think Ohio State's going to be really talented. I think they're going to be a really good team again next season. I think they're going to be really tough to beat, and I think they have a strong chance of contending for another national championship. Um, that said, Michigan's got a really talented team as well. Uh, I thought, you know, looking at that top 100 list, you know, we can talk about the Michigan guys as well. 
I thought um, was Chris Jenkins on there. Um, you know, he I feel not. like he, he, I feel like he's a guy that that should be on there. He he received some feedback during this draft process that he was going to be a top 100 guy. Now maybe sometimes people are telling you what you want to hear or whatever, and people have different motives with what they're telling you. But to me, Chris Jenkins looks like that type type of guy in the future. Um, you know, so I think Michigan, you know, maybe has a couple more guys that could slide into that territory. And, uh, you know, that that will help the Wolverines as well this fall. But Ohio State going to be really good. And they got, you know, great receivers and great, great players all over the field. But uh, coming to the big house, I think it'll be no no small task. And it's not just NFL draft picks that, that win games. It's it's a team. It's the more physical team. The, the team with the better culture has won the last two years, even though Ohio State has had the guy who, you know, at the helm at quarterback that went number two overall. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to be similar this year and, you know, we'll see who comes out on top. A collection of great collegiate talent guys that's been together for a long time too can do great things. And we've seen it in every sport, right? We saw it with Quinnipiac and hockey. They had what two draft picks, two NHL draft picks beating Michigan's collection of talent, uh, handling Michigan's collection of talent. We see it in basketball when they get to that point, you know, Kentucky with all of its freshman five stars and stuff like that. So, gets beat by veteran teams. Uh, Clay and I were there to see <laughs> one of them in person when St. Peter's took them down. So uh, one of my honorary alma maters. So uh, anyway, it was class, a, class of what, 91? Something like that. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was fun, though. Uh, we had a great time, as you can imagine, uh, having a beer after Michigan and one and watching that game in person. So uh, looking forward to this more of those days, by the way. But anyway, long story short, yeah, uh, in the 80s, same thing, man. I can go back and tell you Chris Carter. I can go right down the list. Uh, um, Pepper Johnson and some of these guys that were playing for Ohio State that were just incredible. And But Michigan, you know, with its no-name defense, as Jim Harbaugh said, uh, in 1985 even, took care of business. So a lot of fun, guys, to cover a team like that and, and a, a team of guys that really cares about each other. But there's also that high-end talent, too, to help you get over the you know to the next level and compete for national titles. Yeah, as far as the Ohio State thing goes, I think there's a lot of projection coming here because a lot of these guys were highly recruited. A lot of the recruiting rankings and our recruiting rankings that we do at On3 are largely based on you know what they see their NFL potential is, uh, being. So I understand that, but um, I've started to notice a trend, and I namely, <laughs> namely, it was uh, you know when you when CJ Stroud gets drafted number two overall. Great highlight tape, but God, you know, I didn't see it. You know, it, it's like the, the national media is kind of pulling its blanket over its eyes when it comes to talking about how these guys have played against Michigan the last two years. There weren't any Michigan highlights in any of those uh, highlight packages of him. Um, don't see a ton from a lot of these other guys. And you look at a lot of these guys in the top, you know, in this list of 12 that they have, you know, this is where I think there's a disconnect between Michigan and Ohio State is that, Michigan has done a really good job building a football team last you know, number of years, and Ohio State's building a fantasy football team. I mean, two, uh, you know, two of their top three guys or their top two guys are wide receivers, and we know that that's not a high value position in the NFL anymore. Uh, it's just it's an offense and and, and a program that just kind of churns these guys out. Um, you know, I look in the trenches. A lot of these guys that are ranked so high, you know, Michigan's offensive and defensive lines. I've, you know, I'm not going to pull punches here. I've kind of bashed their brains in the last two games, and I expect it to happen again. So, um, you know, for Michigan, I, I don't think this gap, you know, people will probably look at this list and think, oh, wow, like that's maybe there's maybe there is a bit of a talent gap there. I really don't think there is. I think there's a lot of projection going on because a lot of these guys were higher recruited than 
some of these guys that will be stars for Michigan. I mean, Chris Jenkins, like like Clayton said, I think he has a really good shot to be a, a top 100 pick. Uh, Josiah Stewart, someone who's not on this list at all, but PFF has been high on in the past. I think that's a guy who could be a you know a second or third round pick. Jalen Harrell, uh, Drake Nugent was a guy that popped up on their list. Rod Moore, and now not all these guys are going to declare. I, I you know JJ McCarthy is the second or third ranked guy on on PFF's list, but you know he could be there for a senior year. And the same goes with the Ohio State guys too. I mean, a lot of those guys on that list are juniors, but. Uh, I kind of wanted to spin it into this uh, and more of a state of the rivalry thing, because it was also a talking point on our message board, the fort earlier today that, you know, is the tide kind of turning here? Now, obviously the, the last two years have been, you know, things have swung in Michigan's direction in a big way where it matters, winning the game, winning big 10 championships, getting to the college football playoff. Um, I want to, I want to pose this question to you guys because it's almost, you know, Someone brought this up. I forget who it was, but you know, if Ohio State wins this game this year, then all of a sudden they have the game at home next year, and and they can kind of say that oh, those two years were a fluke. To me, I think when you look at truly taking the reins on this rivalry moving forward, I think that this game that will be played in Ann Arbor that last weekend in November this year is probably maybe the maybe I could make the argument it's the most important one they've ever made because it's you know they don't have to affirm you know what happened the last two years happened and the scores were what they were and it's in the record books forever. Michigan has dominated Ohio state the last two years, but you go out and win this third one in a row. And then we're talking about, you know, truly, truly completely dominating and taking the reins back in this rivalry. Um, you know, they, they, you're talking about if, you know, if that happens, Ohio state goes into 20, 2024, not having beat Michigan in what five seasons. Uh, so to me, fellas, I think this one this year is, probably as important as it gets. They're all important. And even when the playoff expands, this game is still going to be important. It is still going to matter. But to me, I mean, you look at what's on the line. Um, I still feel like Michigan is kind of somewhat being overlooked, maybe not by all the analysts, but definitely by draft uh, people and definitely by these computer uh, rankings. Yeah. And I'd like to make another note about your top hundred list, right? Because guys, you know, we're looking at uh, draft eligible guys, right? Is that is that what that's limited to? So when oh, yeah. I see so when I see Cage Stover on there, would you take him over, you know, uh, Michigan's tight ends? You know, uh, Colson Loveland. Uh, I don't think I would. And if you look at some of the sophomores on this team, if you look at uh, Mason Graham, for example, uh, and I don't know if he'd be in the top hundred or not, but that's a guy that I wouldn't trade for anybody on Ohio State's defensive line. So uh, the underclassmen too, uh, Will Johnson, for example. So. Um, is another one. They're going to be the best cornerback on the field when those two teams play. So that's something to consider. You know, when you're thinking about draft eligible guys, you're not talking about the entire football team there. But uh, I really thought last year's game was huge because, you know, you can, they were basically framing the 2021 loss as a fluke, even though they got their asses kicked up and down the field and, you know, uh, constantly all game. And I thought, okay, they were like, oh, they were snow flurries and everybody was sick and blah, 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 blah. And then they went out and did it again on their field and made, you know, it was 100% domination. So I thought, okay, that was the one that you really needed to say, hey, we've arrived and this is a rivalry again, especially with the next game at home. So, but to your point, Anthony, if you want to say that the worm has truly turned in this rivalry, because I say rivalry on now, I think it's, you know, I don't think you're going to see streaks of five, 10 in a row again. Uh, I think 
to say that Michigan has really seized control of the rivalry, yeah, then you need to win that third game in a row, especially if you get it at home, especially when you get a team that I think will be favored in that game, um, slight favorites if things go according to plan. Now, they don't always, but uh, you know what? I think this team is primed for a big season. So, man, it's hard not to fast forward, fellas, through the summer and then through the season when you look at how special those last two, uh, last November's in or last Saturdays in November have been, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. One's an accident. Two's a coincidence and three's a trend. Obviously it wasn't an accident or coincidence, but yeah, Michigan can. And, and I do think as well, this is a huge game. You know, I think last year it's right on par, I would say. Um, and all those games are big. I mean, those are all, I mean, those are historic Michigan, Ohio state games. Um, but Looking at the college football landscape and where we're going to be in 2024, if Michigan's able to enter that with uh, conference expansion, with the 12-team playoff, with this kind of momentum, winning three in a row, winning three straight Big Ten titles, you would assume if you beat Ohio State, then, I mean, you're looking at Michigan being in just ultimate position heading in. Uh, You know, you're going to add some talented teams like USC and UCLA coming in to the Big Ten. You know, there are going to be more teams that are going to be able to compete for the national championship in the playoff. But Michigan's recruiting – which is already rolling now. If you look at one site, number one in the country with their 2024 class, you look at on three, number five, uh, but, but it's right up there depending on whoever you look at. Um, just imagine how they would recruit coming off a of three in a row, assuming that everything stays intact. So, uh, you know, that's what makes this one so big uh, as they all are. But man, I mean, if you win three and then and they got to, you know, have the pressure on them, I think Ryan Day, you could look at a hot seat situation there unless they somehow get, you know, back in the playoff and, and compete again next season. But, um, you know, then the pressure would really be on them, I think, more than it already is. So, yeah, it's important. I I hate, uh, you know, I I would be hard-pressed probably to call it the most important ever because there have been some big ones, and and the last couple years have been right up there. But uh, it's it's as big as it gets. Well, to quote – this one's for you, Chris. To quote Sweet Lou Brown, uh, we won a game yesterday. If we win a game today, it's called two in a row – we win again tomorrow. It's called a winning streak, and it has been done before. So <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I would just say, and I'll have to, I'd have to go through and, and comb through both rosters a little with a finer tooth comb. But um, I just feel like Michigan's better where it counts again. I think they're going to be better at quarterback, better on the offensive line, uh, defensive lines. I, I actually think Ohio State's defensive line is going to be pretty good, but I like Michigan's linebackers better. I like their back, uh, their their defensive backs better. And, and we know how important special teams have been for the Wolverines as well. So uh, we'll see what happens. Just a little food for thought here heading into, I mean, now if the NFL drafts over uh, transfer portal windows closed, it's kind of like we're in a bit of the dead zone here now, fellas. Um, News but, is going to break uh, in like two seconds. Now that you absolutely way to go, buddy. And, and before uh, this, before this podcast is done. Yeah. Michigan state's going to lose two more guys to the portal somehow. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. You know, since we're talking rivals, uh, can can we just hit on that for a second? Um, I guess. We got a couple questions on it, too. Oh, do we? Might as well take the questions on it now. I mean, I to give them more than a couple minutes of airtime, it's just not you – know, I like talking about contenders in the Big Ten East. Ohio State's that. I think Penn State is that. Michigan's obviously that. It's, so this doesn't do a lot for me. But um, listen, um, transfer portal giveth and transfer portal taketh away. Um, I don't know if I have anything more to say about that. You know, when you – when you build your team through the portal and you don't win games, your better players are going to explore their options and see what else is out there. We're seeing it with Michigan basketball right now. So, mm-hmm. um, 
they're I, I can't say they're in a world of hurt. They seem optimistic about their quarterback situation, but I don't know. I mean, I just I really I don't see some magical turnaround for them this year coming. Uh you know what? You can be the best quarterback in the country, and if you don't have people protecting you, you don't have a running game and you don't have any receivers, then how are you gonna do? Right. Um, so to me, uh, you know what? We aren't going to spend a lot of time on this because, um, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the, in the, the hatred of this rivalry that's being created. Uh, and I don't want to go there again, uh, to be honest with you. But I will say that it uh, one one person I talked to, one former Michigan player, All-American, he said, this is not a you know, this is an actual an evacuation, you know, and then, and then I put up the gif, the gif. <laughs> The gif of, of George Costanza running out during the fire and pushing over little old ladies and clowns and kids at a birthday party. And I thought, man, that's pretty apropos here. But uh, uh, it is amazing because they were just the portal darlings like six or seven months ago. Some a greasy lawyer out of uh, out of off the West Coast was saying how great they were doing, you know, because they apparently, I don't know, were willing to pay or they were doing NIL right. And now all of a sudden uh, they can't get anybody. So uh, we wrote a column on this yesterday that Jim Harbaugh stayed the course, said they were going to be transformational, not transactional. doesn't mean that Michigan's not going to pay. It's uh, NIL game is getting better, getting stronger. It is not going to be pay for play factory. And I'm good with that. So you need to maintain your culture. And I think they're doing that. So I think at this moment, and it can change quickly, Michigan is certainly in position to seize full control of that rivalry and uh, I've been on record as saying I hope it's not a protected game, given where it's uh, really the depths to which that rivalry has sunk over the last few years. Yeah, I think Michigan State would be maybe even fortunate if it wasn't a protected game, given the way I think this is going to trend. But, um, yeah, I mean, you look at this in, in the landscape of college football. It, overall, it does it, it pains me to to kind of see what this has become. And I said the same thing when Hunter Dickinson entered the portal. So but. To me, the, the first thing that came to mind when I saw all that news yesterday was, you know, that winning basically cures all. I mean, if you're winning, you're like Michigan. There are guys that probably aren't going to play much this year that we're considering entering the transfer portal. But it's like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll stick around, you know, see what happens, chase another championship, that sort of thing. If you're Michigan State, I mean, guys want to win. Yeah, they want to get paid as well. Um, you know, they want to be developed at the highest level. And as soon as you're not doing that, there are so many options for kids now these days that they're going to use them. I mean, look at Hunter Dickinson again, as you can, it's a very similar situation. So, uh, and Peyton Thorne, why compete for a starting job when I could go basically get promised one, uh, you know, coming into a fall camp at a new school, we'll see if any of those guys come back to Michigan state, but, um, yeah, that, that's kind of, you, you can be going really well or seemingly so like Michigan state was in, in 2021. I thought that was, uh, in, you know, I said it at the time as well that, you know, I didn't think they were necessarily going to continue that with all the close wins they had, you know, they, they get Kenneth Walker. I thought that was really fortunate. Um, but as soon as you lose it, um, you know, it's, it's hard to regain it. Um, and, you know, you can do it pretty quickly as we saw Mel Tucker do the first time, but to sustain that's another thing. And I think Michigan state's going through that, those issues now. Um, and we will see what their season's going to look like. And also, on this as well. So now that Peyton Thorne is probably leaving Michigan State, uh, Michigan will be facing Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State quarterbacks who have never started a game this year. Obviously, they'll have experience before they play them in the fall. But, uh, you know, with all that Michigan has coming back, you got to feel really good 
Uh, and not that this moves the needle a ton with Michigan State. Didn't expect them to contend as it was, but you got to feel pretty good about where Michigan's at compared to when you look down the road or, you know, you look to Penn State or you look to Ohio State or some of these other teams you're competing with in the division. Yeah, still got to go up there and win. I mean, it's a it's mm-hmm. it's been a very interesting place to play over the years. Uh, I would just – I won't give it any more time other than to say this. Uh, culture is important and leadership is important. And I don't know – I just don't know about the player leadership there right now. And um, I don't know. I, I just, I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to turn it. I don't want to go to a place that we don't need to go tonight. So no, but coach um, Mel, coach Mel does have those Rottweilers. So keep that in mind. Well, those are the only Spartan dogs left at East Lansing right now. So Damn! Um, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's talk about our friends over at uh rogue shop.com. We've been singing their praises for, for months. Uh, love working with our friends, Richard and Charmaine. If you're having trouble sleeping, chronic pain and uh, anxiety, stress, uh, check, 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 check for me on all of those. Uh, rogue shop has a product for you. They've got CBD, THC, Edibles, tinctures, smokables, bath salts, pain creams, topicals, vapes, candles, soaps. They've got it all. Uh, we've read the C-scroll of products, I feel like, uh, several times. You probably have a memorized, but head on over to rogueshop.com today. Uh, for Use the promo code THEWOLVERANE for 10% off your order. They handcraft all of their topicals, soaps, candles, bath salts, massage oils, and more. They grow their own cannabis in their own manufacturing facility. All of their products are made with the stuff that they grow. What a novel concept, right? Uh, Their 24-7 website or their 24-7 chat function is available on the website to answer and educate you on any of the questions you might have. Uh, Any care package that you order is going to come with a handwritten note from our friends Richard and Charmaine. Uh, All of their edibles are custom formulated with cannabis, vitamins, and plant materials. Uh, Support a business in the heart of Big Ten country. They're out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. America's number one online dispensary and health and wellness shop. Uh, they are a true small business. They're disabled veteran owned, black owned, woman owned. They only have five employees. So consider, uh, please, 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 please support our friends over at rogueshop.com today. Uh, use the promo code The Wolverine again uh, for 10% off your order at R O G U E S H O P.com. Yep, and you're supporting us when you support them, folks, and we appreciate that because we vouch for these people. And, uh, man, I got some sleep in the, in the airport at LaGuardia with some CD characters, fellas, thanks to my gummies. So uh, I want to say I appreciate that very much uh, to these guys. But uh, more than anything, I just appreciate their friendship and uh, and their product. They're good people. Again, that's R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P dot com uh, for 10% off. Your or, or that's the website, the Wolverine dot or the Wolverine promo code uh, for ten percent off uh, today. So, uh, well, let's go back now to the the New York City trip, the aforementioned trip. It was a again as as of today, I believe the team's in D.C. They'll make their way to Gettysburg and then wrap things up in Ohio later this week. We will uh, be making our trip back to the state of Ohio um, for the first time since that Ohio State game later on this week, but. Uh, Chris, you were our boots on the ground in New York City, and uh, a lot, it seemed like it was a very productive uh, few days, very productive weekend for them uh, from a team-building standpoint, from a, uh, again, you talked about the fact that they were able to watch the draft uh, together, they had a dinner with some pretty prominent donors, and it sounds like some positive steps 
on the on the NIL front. So I guess the floor is yours to just kind of recap and run that down for us. Yeah, got there and uh, followed them to the Statue of Liberty on Friday. And uh, you know what? Well, it, it's something else, man. You know, Jim Harbaugh talked about, you know, the world being their classroom and everybody, you know, a lot of people scoffed at it and said, Oh, this is no big deal. And you know, what a waste of time and stuff like that. I can promise you having gone to Normandy with these guys, uh, even the Gerald Ford museum last year. uh, And then on this trip, uh, what they are learning and seeing are things that are just every bit as important as what you can read in a book. And uh, so uh, it's remarkable watching them bond and then walking, watching them talk about their experiences. I remember Ben Bredesen and some of the other offensive linemen in Normandy when they were walking around talking about what they'd seen and standing on Utah beach, you know, and, and one of them says to the other guy, you know, those guys were our age, man, coming up there facing those bullets. And uh, these are learning experiences that you just don't get on a campus and they are great team bonding experiences. And I can promise you guys that parents of recruits have noticed as well and that they are using it. And it's not supposed to be a recruiting tool, but they're the ones that bring it up and they say, hey, you know, are you guys going to con- still continue to do this? And you know what? That's Jim Harbaugh's plan. So loved every minute of it. When you see Michigan on Times Square, uh, you guys saw the pictures that I had. I was I was stunned. Uh, you know, everybody, you had people speaking in different languages, go blue, go blue. What's that? You know, and looking on their phones and worldwide leader, big block M on the big screens in Times Square, the most prominent ones, fellas. It was amazing. And uh, seeing them, they were a Bond 45 restaurant, which was fantastic. And watching their teammates during the draft get drafted, Luke Schoonmaker, Schoonmaker, you know, and everybody's like Schoon and uh, DJ Turner. And it was it was awesome. So. Uh, these are learning experiences that you don't get everywhere. And it's part of that Michigan difference that they talk about. And it's real. Uh, there's no question uh, seeing it in person. So excited for them, excited for what's to come next. I hope that, uh, you know, they go somewhere just as cool next year. We'll follow them there as well. Look at there it is right there. Um, just really, really great stuff. And Jim Harbaugh, you can just tell us in his element there. Uh, loving every second of it. Uh, seeing Dave Pearson talk to him, Michigan former center. He's doing uh, great things as the as a vice president of, I think it's related group, uh, executive vice president. He comes over in his three-piece suit looking great. Jamar Adams looks fantastic. And Antonio Bass, here's a guy, you know, who's like couldn't live his Michigan dream. Uh, and then to go to New York and have an, an outstanding career in business uh, because of the education, folks. Uh, that's what it's all about. That's what it's supposed to be about. And that's what Jim Harbaugh continues to preach. And now he's he's living it for these guys. What were you wearing at the dinner? What was I wearing at the dinner? I was wearing this nice little ensemble. No, it was just a just a sweater. <laughs> Thanks for asking. A, a John Borton sweater? No, no, no. This was. Uh, this <laughs> Did he freeze on us? I think he might have. Well, that's 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 the shot right there. That's. <laughs> I didn't know that I'd would be the one it. to end it. Yeah. Oh. What do we do here? I mean, I had another question for him, but he's just kind of frozen there smiling at us right now. I think we um, we'll boot we'll boot him out and then we'll we'll bring him back in if he's able to oh we'll bring him back in if he's able to uh, find a way to reconnect. Um you know, speaking of you know, I wanted to ask him about, you know, there was some positive stuff about NIL that came out of that. I uh, wanted to pass along a note from uh, our guy, uh, our friend uh, chin over at the Hale Impact Group, 
Uh, we have both had some contact with him, was out at his launch event a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he emailed me last night. Obviously, their, uh, their social channels are up and running now. They're on Instagram, so feel free to go check them out over there. But uh, as of today, uh, they are Michigan's first nonprofit uh, or the first nonprofit organization, I should say, in the Michigan NIL space that is able to distribute direct donations to all of the student athletes on any given team. So, uh, you know, people have been at, you know, a lot of these donors have wanted to know exactly where their money is going. Um, they have campaigns set for every team. Now I know the, I believe it was $5 million. They said they wanted to raise to get the football program up and running. Uh, they're still working on funds for that, but every, my understanding is that every team in, in that program or in within their initiative is going to be able to, uh, you know, they have their own little benchmarks set. So, uh, Positive steps forward. I don't know that Clayton, it's it's exactly the paradigm shifting stuff that people are waiting to see. It's going to take a lot of hard work, but that's kind of been the MO of how everything has worked with Michigan athletics lately. It's, you know, usually you put the work in and you're going to bear the, the fruits of that result. Yeah. And champion circle who hail impact is working, not in a business sense with, but they're kind of tied together a little bit, especially with passing people back and forth. Hey, if you want to donate to a nonprofit, check out the guys over here uh, and, and vice versa. But Champion Circle uh, has done the same thing where they've expanded uh, as recently as last week into you know being able to donate to different teams uh, across Michigan, all different teams, and, and you know let those student-athletes profit. So another big step there. And then we did hear at that dinner that Chris was at, uh, that also Champion Circle representatives were there. Uh, we heard that they they did gain a lot of traction with some of the donors there who, you know, because sometimes I feel like if you are a donor, and this has been something that has come up on our message board as well, well, you're a donor. I mean, do you keep giving to the school or do you give to NIL? It's probably somewhere in the middle, but, you know, people are still trying to figure that out. And from what we heard, there was some good progress there, and we'll see what comes of that uh, in terms of donations. But um, all good stuff uh, on the Michigan NIL front. I think that they, they played the slow game a little bit, and I know it's been frustrating at times for some Michigan fans, but it's starting to pay off a little bit more on the recruiting trail as the data kind of trickles in, where you can ask a J.J. McCarthy or you can ask a Donovan Edwards or a Blake Corum, maybe most especially, what you're making if you're a recruit on a visit, and they can give you an answer. Uh, and they can also talk about what they've done in the community to give back. Tons of Michigan guys doing that, so... Uh, as time goes on, I think Michigan's getting stronger and stronger. They're not going to be the Miami. They're not going to be the Texas A&M, but, um, you know, they can still be a force, I think. And events like, I mean, you have the team trip, it goes through New York. You know how many big Michigan donors are in New York? So I think uh, probably a strategic play there as well. Not that, not that that's the sole reason why they were there, but that helps, uh, getting their, getting the whole team out there and you letting them interact with the, uh, the donors and the Michigan fans, I think was huge. Yeah, I do. Uh, I have made contact with Chris Ballas, by the way. He says he's coming back. So we'll, we were going to pivot to questions, but we'll wait for him, see if he uh, is in here a few minutes from now and get to that. Let's, let's kind of bounce around a bit here. I want to, we didn't really recap the 2023 NFL draft a ton. Uh, we talked about the nine guys that went uh, yeah. just a quick rundown of that defensive tackle. Mozzie Smith went to the Dallas Cowboys in the first round at number 26 overall. Uh, the Cowboys followed it up with taking Luke Schoonmaker at number 58 overall in the second round. Cornerback DJ Turner went in the second round, number 60 overall uh, to the Cincinnati Bengals. Kicker Jake Moody, this was probably the surprise of the draft, just in terms of uh, the draft slot. 
Uh, but Jake Moody goes to the San Francisco 49ers, number 99 overall in the third round, 100 picks higher than Tom Brady went in the uh, in his NFL draft. Uh, Mike Morris came off the board in the fifth round of the Seattle Seahawks at number 151 overall. Three picks later, the Seahawks double-dipped with Michigan guys and took Olu Oluwatimi, uh, the center, uh, at number 154. Brad Robbins, again, we talked about teams doubling up on Michigan guys. Uh, the Bengals took their second player of the draft from Michigan and Brad Robbins in the sixth round at number 217 overall. Uh, offensive tackle Ryan Hayes, Miami Dolphins, seventh round, number 238. And then last but certainly not least, and I love this fit for him, Ronnie Bell in the seventh round at 253rd overall to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, in terms of undrafted free agent guys, uh, we had Jamon Green come off the board to the New York Giants and Joel Honingford. How about that? Uh, getting an opportunity with the Arizona Cardinals. So uh, I do all of that to filibuster for Chris Ballas to get back in here. Chris, welcome back. Uh, Sorry. You're talking, we were talking about uh, wardrobes and ensembles, and we got the sweaters on the Sweaters. handsome, the handsome, handsome quarters. In, so. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I'll say this, I got portaled to another dimension and it was filled with green and white. It was crazy. So uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Anyhow. The multiverse is real. Yeah. So no, but um, you know what? Here's the thing about the draft. I, I thought the Brad Robbins pick was the most stunning of all. And, uh, and you know, his reaction, he thought he was getting punked uh, was, was classic. And I, but I love both of those guys and their parents uh, as much as anybody that we've ever covered. Uh, oh no. Here we go again. That is a cool quarter zip. I'm kind of, I'm kind of mad. I didn't make that Fiesta Bowl trip. Yeah, Just it, wasn't, it wasn't all that great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm aware of it. Um, but yeah. But I mean, I think what he's going to say is there, I mean, parents are great people. Uh, we got to meet the Moody's, especially we hung out with them a little bit the night before the big 10 championship game. And I mean, both those dudes, uh, I, I was talking to a couple of my family members after Robbins got picked and, I was like, oh, what a great dude. They're like, oh, really? I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, you talk to that guy and, and what he gave back based on how many pins inside the 20-yard line, the 10-yard line, over 50 he was given to charity uh, to try to beat cancer. I mean, and him and, and then Jake Moody did it the next year uh, to also match. I mean, those are two great dudes um, that I'm really happy for. The Brad Robbins call, if you haven't watched it, just Google it or, or search it on Twitter. Um his call with Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, is priceless. Uh, I, you know, he he swore they had to edit it out, and then Zach Taylor <laughs> was like, "Did you think this was a prank call?" Uh, and he was like, "Yeah, I did." Um, so just fantastic. But all these guys, I think, have a good fit. I'm, and I agree with you to pivot now off of the specialist to Ronnie Bell. I mean, I think that is a really good fit, assuming they figure out what they're going to do at quarterback. Um, you, I mean. That dude in that system for Kyle Shanahan, I think he's going to work really well. And everything that I've read, um, first of all, the draft grades, which do you take much stock in those? Not really, but a lot of A's, a lot of B's for that Ronnie Bell pick. And then also uh, just the analysis of people saying he can compete for time right away in the slot. So I'm excited to see Ronnie Bell, but Mozzie Smith, I think is going to do well, help solidify the the middle of that uh, Cowboys defensive line. Uh, Scooney, I'm excited for him as well. The, the Cowboys targeted tight ends. I think the sixth most in the NFL last year. So they have a little rotation there, but he'll get some time uh, and a bunch of other guys, I think can impact as well. I think Scooney was probably the one uh, and sorry, fellas, this is this not my day, but uh, I think Scooney was probably the biggest reach, but he's a great culture guy. I had one of a, one of our former colleagues who's a Cowboys fan saying, talk me off the ledge here. 
Michigan defensive linemen that have come here in the first round have not panned out. I think Mozzie Smith has a chance to, however, he's, uh, you know what, it's going to be about conditioning with him and the want to. And I think he's proven the last couple of years that he's that guy that's going to, uh, that's really going to take that seriously. So we'll see what happens. Uh, and that, that on that defensive line, you know, someone is going to take a lot of pressure off everyone on that defensive line is another big 10 East guy, Micah Parsons. So right. uh, it's a little bit of a yin and a yang thing in terms of, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours into in terms of creating opportunities and things like that. Uh, I think my favorite fit is probably the Seahawks going back to bat with the Michigan linemen. Uh, you know, Mike Morris didn't test very well this off season, but you know, I think we've all seen when he's healthy, he's uh, you know, he's powerful. He can put weight on and kick inside. He obviously lost weight for the pre-draft process and, you know, to kind of sell himself a little more as an edge. Uh, the Seahawks are a team that usually does pretty well in the middle rounds and, as far as Olu Oluwatimi goes, I mean, I know he's not he's not super versatile and he's not a guy that, you know, you're going to ask him to run out in space and find someone to block. You kind of need someone directly in front of him. But, uh, you know, I, I just feel like you get a, a guy who's a potentially a plug-and-play starter for you from day one in the fifth round. I mean, there's – how do you complain about that? Um, yeah, I know the Jake Moody thing, uh, the draft – the draft Knicks did not like it. Uh but you know what? It's like they were offended. Him, they were offended that a kicker could go that early. Here's my thing, though. If you can get me a guy in the third round that I can guarantee, because I can guarantee this, because we know, we know Jake Moody's makeup. We know he's got the leg. You know, he's made so many big kicks. Um, if I can get a guy in the third round who I know is going to be on my roster for, let's just say, on the low end, four or five years for a guy like Moody, it's probably ten years. Uh, I think he's going to wind up being one of the more reliable kickers in the league. I mean, it's, it's not even a, a, a talking point, especially for them. I mean, they're so loaded, uh, you know, on both sides of the ball. Just go get your guy. Um, yeah. Like Jason, so yeah. Hansen, like Jason Hansen with the lions, you know, for how many years. And uh, now Jake's going to be hopefully kicking for a better team and have more success and play in more than one playoff game. Uh, you know, win more than one playoff game, but uh, you know what? It, it can be do a lot for your franchise. So, and uh, one of the best kids we've ever interviewed. So, good luck to him. Absolutely. Well, uh, do we want to pivot to questions now? Yeah, As we let's do that. Towards, um, Clayton, I'm gonna let you pick through a few of these this week. Uh, one because I totally closed out of the browser tab where I had it. So, do we want to start with the questions from the fort? Yeah, let's uh, do that. And let's, but let's talk about uh, basketball real quick. Hunter Dickinson sounds like he's going to be making his decision tomorrow. He's not coming back to Michigan, folks. There you go. Um, and I, you know what? It's sounding heard today uh, from the pr first source that told us that Hunter was thinking about entering the portal or was going to enter the portal. And we actually uh, talked to our source at Michigan who didn't even know. And they were, they were caught off guard. And that was, you know, the night before he entered the portal, they were still recruiting people to play with Hunter Dickinson at Michigan. Um, this same person said Villanova has made a very, very strong pitch. He's got a friend there, good friend. Sounds like Villanova might be the pick, um, So, which would be somewhat surprising given that Kansas said they won't be outbid. But you know what? Uh, best of luck to him. He did not make nearly the amount of money here that people thought he was making in NIL stuff, and now he's going to go get NBA type of money for a guy that's not going to play in the NBA, you might as well do it for a couple of years if you can. And he does have two years of eligibility remaining. Well, I played one of the worst games of his career against Villanova. So I guess if you can't beat him, join him. Go for it. Um, <laughs> uh, what else do we have here? Let's see if we have any, we can take, we talked about Michigan state a little bit. Uh, I like this one from Shab fam. Uh, and then we'll take a few from the fort. 
says uh, shop fem says which juniors do you think will actually enter the draft next year think jj will stay if he's not a heisman finalist think don stays to get a year as the number one running back uh, i'll start with that one i gun to my head right now i think that jj mccarthy is probably a four-year player for michigan uh we'll see i mean it's he could always pop off and you know the nfl you know we saw a couple quarterbacks get drafted on thursday night that really the only reason to take them was the fact that they had traits that teams liked you know anthony richardson rings a bell uh will levis didn't go until early friday but that's another guy that rings a bell so if a team fault if there are teams that fall in love with him and uh kind of whisper in his ear it wouldn't surprise me um I do think that Donovan Edwards will go because I, I actually think Blake Corn will probably be the exception to this, but I think the less or the more tread that's on a running back's tires, the better it probably bodes for their draft stock. And, and we saw, you know, a couple teams uh, thumb their nose at positional value and, and how running backs are viewed. Obviously they're both the Atlanta Falcons and Detroit lions who are historically bad, but uh, we saw a couple first round running backs in this draft. So, uh, you look at a guy like Donovan Edwards who can catch the ball, obviously run um, the way that he does. I, I think he's probably gone, but J.J. stays. That would be my guess. I think you're right. And I think J.J., it's not that he's not talented enough to be an NFL quarterback and a good one. Uh, he loves this place, guys. Uh, this kid's special, and I've said this. Um, he's just different. And I could see him wanting to stay here and, you know what, cement his legacy as one of the best ever. The, think about if they – take care of business this year like they're supposed to. Now, if they win a national championship, all bets are off. But if they take care of business in the Big Ten like they have or, and are expected to, then he's going to have something a chance to do something really special uh, in his three years. And I uh, love that about him, that he's the kind of guy that I think would, would think to do that, especially with that one-more-year campaign from the Michigan Collectives that's really taken off. Thanks again to Champion Circle and all those other state and Maine um, for what they do. So, But I think Donovan's going to be ready to go. And, you know, a guy that can catch and pass like he or catch and run like he can and pass, frankly. Uh, yeah. Um, then I think uh, he's going to be a guy that uh, that's probably going to end up uh, leaving. But there are others that I think are going to uh, stick around as well. And I think that one more year campaign is going to do a lot, especially with the way the culture is now. So uh, good days for Michigan football. This program is, seems to be on really solid ground. Yeah, I, I agree with JJ, although, Anthony, you, the argument you made is really similar to what I was going to talk about with Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. I mean, you look at their numbers and, and the way they produced, it was a lot more based on traits, and I think JJ McCarthy has some similar traits. So he could go if he wanted to. And then Donovan Edwards, uh, I would think that he goes – he's kind of stated his intentions there. And on the question, d does he want to be you know, the number one running back for Michigan? I mean, Jameer Gibbs – from Alabama was the number one running back at Alabama, but he split carries too. I'm looking at their stats right now. I mean, same amount of touchdowns uh, as McClellan. He had, you know, 300 more yards, but McClellan still had 655. He averaged six yards a carry. Like there were two really good backs there on Alabama last year, and he still goes number 12 overall. So I don't think it matters as much. AB, you make, make a great point about the shelf life on the running back. And I think Blake Corum coming back, uh, was kind of more of an exception than it is the rule. Uh, injury obviously played a part there as well. But there are other guys that could go that I think probably would stay. But depending on what kind of years they have, it's so hard to project right now. But guys like Rod Moore, he would get drafted. Junior Colson would easily get drafted. Uh, and there are others. So uh, Michigan could have you know a lot of guys go. If you look at the record, it's 15 
draft picks in one class from a single school, Georgia, in 2022. If Michigan guys decided to, I think Michigan's got more than enough that would be able to go, and they could break that record last year or from last year next year uh, if they really, you know, if guys decided to go that route. And if they win the national championship, maybe they would. Um, you know, I, I would say that most, you know, we'll have they'll see a few guys come back, and, and that that number won't be quite at 15, but it could be with the amount of talent that's on this team. And we would wish them well if they win a national championship here. We'd say, go make your money, young man. And we will anyway. But uh, at that point, you say, you know what? What more could you accomplish here? You know what? Get your rings rings and go have some fun. Yeah, Yeah, this one kind of goes hand in hand with it. Uh, Signaler asks, is Blake Corum the highest rated running back in that top 100? He is actually at number 24 overall. uh, Ohio State's Trevion Henderson is at 44. Wisconsin's Braylon Allen uh, is at 53. Uh, Raheem Sanders from Arkansas is at 56. Uh, Donovan Edwards at 62. Bucky Irving from Oregon at 67. And at 69 from Florida State, Trey Benson. Um, yeah, I would say that uh, just the last thing on the running backs here, you know, this is the NFL is a league based on scoring points. And, you know, it's a huge fantasy football league now. And it's all about the fireworks. And if you have a running back that, can catch the ball out of the backfield. Like, you know, just use the Jameer Gibbs example. Uh, teams are going to see those guys as offensive weapons more than like maybe a Blake Corm, who we know can catch the ball out of the backfield, but you know, he's more of your bell cow. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Donovan Edwards is the first of all of them off the board uh, as early as this year. So uh, we'll see about that. Uh, let's go to message board for questions. Now, did you find any you like Clayton? Yeah, we can talk about this one from G doc uh, is the kicking game. And we haven't talked about James Turner yet, uh, but mm-hmm. is the kicking game going to cost us a game? Seems like there is always one game or two uh, that you need to survive to win a championship and need a clutch moment or two. Absolutely right uh, on you know surviving. You look at 2021, Michigan had to do it a couple times, Rutgers, uh, Nebraska, Penn State. You look at 2022, the Illinois game. Uh, it was less close calls that year, but um, – I don't know that it's going to cost Michigan a game because I think they did a really good job plugging that hole with James Turner, but it could. Um, and mm-hmm. I think probably we took for granted a little bit just how reliable Jake Moody was over the last five years. I never did. Uh, you know, actually, really the last two years is when he was really, you know, making his money. Uh, yeah. yeah. But um, James Turner was, what, 20 of 22, I think, on kicks in his last year. Yep. So uh, I think that he is a great replacement. Tommy Doman, if you need a bigger leg to try longer field goals, it's going to be, it's going to be, they're going to plug it in and kind of put pieces together there. Tommy Doman, I think is going to do just fine as a punter. We saw what Brad Robbins did last year. And I think Tommy Doman can replicate that at least. And then I think that, uh, I think that Turner, if he lives up to his hype and his billing is going to be just fine. And, and you know what, Adam Samaha could come in here as a true freshman and take the job too. This kid's a great kicker, so I think they're going to be okay piecing things together. Get those these uh, kickoffs to the end zone, and uh, Jay Harbaugh's teams have done a great job in coverage. You know, both punt and kick. The guys, a fantastic special teams coach. Yeah, and aside from just the like the game winning kicks, I mean, you think of the Nebraska game in twenty twenty one. You think of the yes. Illinois game last year. Um, that Ohio State game last year. I mean, if Jake Moody doesn't come in and hit a forty nine yard field goal on that first drive. Uh, who knows what direction that game goes. That was the one where things kind of fell apart on that first drive and uh, you still are kind of able to muster something. I mean, those are huge. And he had a lot of those in his career too. He's a guy that's for first end of the first half TCU kick. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was a losing effort, but again, it, it keeps you in the game and gives you a chance. And obviously look at what they did after that. And, you know, God, they were just so freaking close to pulling that off. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I know Michigan fans at times were, uh, and I shared the frustration of, you know, the offense kind of going conservative once you got past the 50 yard line. But when you have a guy like Jake Moody, who was as reliable as he was, you know, it kind of changes your play calling a bit. So it'll be curious. I'm curious to see how James Turner uh, works in, you know, works through all that. Obviously he's never played a game, you know, close to the three four, five games. He'll probably play with the stakes uh, that Michigan will have this year. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, you, you know, Celine native, you like that. Uh, you like that he wanted to be here first and foremost. I mean, the second he went into the portal, it's don't talk to me. I know where I'm going already. Uh, so yeah. Uh, didn't get a chance to talk about that one yet, but quality addition as they continue to round out their roster for 2023. Uh, I have one from the board uh, from Owen S who asks who will be this team's most important role player this year. I uh, think like Zeke Barry as a third safety or a sixth offensive lineman, kind of someone who's uh, I don't know, an X factor or someone who doesn't get the shine that a lot of these other guys will. Maybe a Carson Barnhart or a Trente Jones, uh, you know, as that sixth lineman, uh, who I th- and I think one of those, I don't know if both will play. I guess it'd be hard for them, right? Because I think Ladarius Henderson starts at left tackle, and those guys are competing again. But uh, hopefully they get NAL money, and hopefully they both get a chance to play. But we saw last year when Jones got hurt, the job that Barnhart did coming in, uh, I think is going to be huge. So I think one of those guys and then your backup tight end, uh, whoever that turns out, I think AJ Barner could be huge. Uh, you know, uh, he and Loveland together. Um, I, I think one of those guys. So uh, it is a great question though. And um, you know, uh, it, they don't consider these guys role players. Like they say, you know, they consider them starters, all those six linemen, but uh, somebody's going to get the guys, guys get banged up all the time, fellas. And it's what you do as a second stringer, you know, when you come in that expectations for the position that really helps determine whether or not you're going to win a championship. Yeah. Trente was really good in that extra lineman role a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then we saw them go with some of that stuff against Purdue where they had all those linemen on the field. They put, they put the number 80 Jersey on them, didn't they? Yeah. They did. Yeah. That, I mean, that was basically his role that year. He was basically a, a tight end. Um, so I think you're going to have someone in Sharon never really reveals stuff like that, but you're going to have probably somebody like that, uh, who's going to be in that role. And I think Trente, if he doesn't win a job, which I, I mean, right now I would project Carson Barnhart to probably start at right tackle, mm-hmm. then it could be him. And that would be his way of contributing, you know, as well as special teams. He seems to always be out there as well. And, you know, let's talk about this real quick. Brad Robbins is gone. I mean, you still, you need a new holder too. Um, and that's an important position. So it's that whole battery as Jim Harbaugh calls it, with the field goal team with between the snapper, the holder, and the kicker. So if I'm thinking of role players like that, guys that aren't going to be playing a, a lot but are important in the jobs that they need to do, I'd go with holder and maybe like that Trente Jones type of role at the extra you know big tight end position. I know he's coming off of a knee injury but uh, or leg injury, whatever it was, but uh, I'm a special teams guy. Love me some Caden Colesar. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see him – so he can block a kick somewhere this year. Or, you know, he's just kind of been an ace, an ace for them there when he's been healthy. So I think that'd be my pick there. Yep, that's a Short good one. Sweet. There you go. Uh, anything else, fellas? Any you know, time for one more? Anything that catches your eye? Let's do one more question. A good one. A funny one. A funny one. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Let's see. You guys got to step it up on the board here. Not a lot of funny questions this week. Well, then. Uh, 
Let's just leave. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave. You have to be funnier for us to That's stay. right. Come on, people. So, step up. We got a we All got right. a best golfer question. I know it's not me. Best golfer out of Anthony Broom, Clayton Safey, Chris Bell. It says, anyone or how many hole-in-ones have you all licked, lucked into? That's West Coast Wolverine. Never had a hole-in-one. Um, John Borden had one last summer. Good for him. And, you know, and that guy plays 300 times a year, so that tells you how hard it is. So uh, best golfer on this staff uh, on among the three of us is not anything to brag about. Let's put, I don't think, unless Anthony's a scratch golfer that I don't know about. So there you go. No, have. I was going to say I'm still waiting on my first like hole-in-four, so <laughs> – <laughs> um, <laughs> John Borton's a, a fantastic golfer. So, um, yep. Uh, Doug Cars used to say he had a swing that looked like a man falling off a trapeze, and he did it one time, but he corrected that. He was still a better golfer than anybody when he had that crappy swing, but now he's doing it, uh, and this guy is uh, this guy's something else. So still doing it at his age in his Coogee sweaters. But, I mean, I know humility prevents you from saying it, but, I mean, I've only played with Chris here, but Chris beat me when we played. So uh, I would have to give it to him. Anthony, I haven't played with, with you, but um, I'd have to give it There's to a reason CD for that, by the, way. the three of us. Yeah. There's a reason for that. I gave up golfing last year. So yeah, I, then you know what? You're the smartest of the three of us. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh my gosh. But all right. Well, maybe we'll rectify that sometime this summer and the three of us will get out yeah. there, but it won't be on a Monday night. Cause you know, we're here every week at six o'clock. Uh, we appreciate you guys always for listening. Uh, be sure to like, this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're someone who listens after the fact in your podcast feed, be sure to leave us a five-star review. Say very nice things about us. Uh, it does affect our self-esteem. So um, please, 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 please be kind to us. Uh, and if you're not, keep it to yourself. Um, for Chris Ballas, for Clayton Safety, uh, I'm Anthony Broom. Uh, shout out to our producer, Megan, behind the scenes and all the people who make this happen for us every week, our sponsors at Rogue Shop, etc. Uh, so, Thanks for thanks for uh, joining in. Uh, we'll see what happens with a show later on this week. We are planning on spending Thursday in the state of Ohio. So um, if you're the praying type, uh, send in your prayers and condolences ahead of time. But that's going to do it for us. Uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.